Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome to The Shit Show. Okay, boomer. Hi, everyone. Hello. So today we are coming at you with kind of the first episode and a new thing we're going to do. Yeah, so I'm sure everyone is aware of the elections coming up. We've got obviously the New Zealand election. And then the American election. That's really all we're going to cover. (laughs) (laughs) So today is kind of the unofficial first instalment of Let's Get Political. Ardern 2020, New Zealand, same Prime Minister. (laughs) So, Rubes, what are we talking about today? What's on everyone's minds? Well, if you're part of the New Zealand population, then the talk of the town is obviously Todd Muller's resignation. He is the, well, he was the leader of the National Party, which is the opposition to the Labour Party, led by Jacinda Ardern, of course, our Queen. So he has resigned and Judith Collins has taken over. Mm. So today, me and Ruby are kind of going to dive into why Todd Muller resigned and who the fuck Judith Collins is. I'm sure a lot of you know who she is, but we're going to go through some of her ideas on policy and some of her scandals and just kind of break down what has happened over the past few wild days in politics. Yeah, no, we won't be biased at all throughout any of this series. Unorthodox, non-expert and totally unbiased. Hashtag sarcasm. Do you guys have an electoral college? No. Would you like ours? I think we're good with our mixed member proportional system. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, Rubes, what was the lead up to the resignation of Todd Muller? This is kind of the scandal that consumed Todd Muller and the National Party in the lead up to Muller's shock resignation. Obviously, nobody expected this at all for a bit of background. He was a leader for only 53 days before he resigned. And on the day that he resigned, it was only 66 days until the upcoming election. So obviously, when he rolled Simon Bridges, which we have a previous episode on that. It's called Bye Bye Bridges. Go and have a listen. Yeah. Thank you. This was never meant to happen, um, but it did. Let's get into the background of why. So this all kind of started on July 4th when three different news outlets, including the Weekend Herald, revealed that they had been sent private details of current COVID-19 cases that were in New Zealand. So all of these three platforms chose to not publicly release this information that they had been sent, but they did come out and say, we have been sent this information. This led to the New Zealand Health Minister to announce that there will be an inquiry into that leak. And the New Zealand Health Minister is from the Labour Party. Yes. 
So two days later, July 6, Hamish Walker, a National Party MP, contacts Muller privately to confess that he sent the list to the Herald. So he sent the private details of these COVID-19 names to the Herald. The info he sent included the names, date of birth, and isolation facilities of the then 18 current COVID-19 cases. Walker apparently did this to use this as evidence that the cases were coming from India, Pakistan, and Korea. Which, I don't really know the point of that, but... So, privately, Hamish Walker disclosed to Todd Muller that he was the one to send out this information. Then the next day, July 7th, Walker admits publicly to the leak. Um, In a statement, he says that his motive was to expose the Labour government um, for the shortcomings at keeping the data. So basically, he's saying that the leak was to expose the Labour government and their shortcomings when dealing with the patient's info Mm -hmm. because somebody was able to send it to him. Mm -hmm. He was able to send it on. Basically, he's showing the shortcomings by exploiting it. It's just like, it's just trash and trash. Like it's fighting fire Mm. with fire. Yeah, it really is. At this point, the public doesn't know how Walker had received the data. However, following his statement, Michelle Bogue admits to sending these details to Walker. She is the CEO of Auckland's Rescue Helicopter Trust. It was this role that helped her obtain that information. She was kind of able to take advantage of Mm. that role. And it's not the first time that she's kind of misused her role because... One time, I was reading about it the other day, she um, needed to get her passport that she'd forgotten on her way to the airport, and so she wasn't going to make her flight in time. She chartered a fucking Westpac rescue helicopter to get the passport and get her to her flight. God, imagine having that kind of power. Oh, well, imagine misusing that kind of power. That's just a gross misuse of the rescue helicopter. Rescue? Did I say that? (laughs) Oh my God, what did I do last time? Twomp. Every time we talk political. (laughs) Your W's come out. Yeah. My, I can't say my R's. Well, I mean, she has resigned now. Same with Walker. Um, However, the plot does thicken. So Nationals health spokesman, Michael Woodhouse, told Mueller in private that he too had received similar information from Vogue, but decided not to do anything about it. Yet, Muller in an interview repeatedly rejected the idea that Woodhouse had been sent any of this information. This obviously gets the leader in a bit of hot water when the next day, publicly, Woodhouse comes out and says, no, he actually did. So... This kind of is a bit detrimental to Muller's credibility. He was caught out in a bit of a lie very early on in his new role. Quite early on in his political career. Yeah, and it just didn't really sit well with the media. And he did have a few fumbles. He kind of said, no, I didn't lie. It was because he was sent similar information, not the same information, which is kind of like... Which I think he was just sent the same information but different names because different patients had COVID at that time. It was a different, yeah, different dates. Whether this was the main reason that Muller resigned, we don't know. However, what we do know is that on July 14th, just four days after he was caught in this lie, Muller did resign. So that's kind of the background to all of the scandal There was a couple um, kind of hiccups throughout his 53-day 
stint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was kind of the tipping point. No sing-alongs. No sing-alongs. Galileo! 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 Figo! Magnifico! Oh, 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 oh. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. So, Luce, you have his statement, Todd Muller's statement. Do you want to kind of break this down for us? Yeah, so it's quite a short statement that um, Muller just released to the media. It's pretty telling of kind of how Muller was feeling and why he did what he did. So he said, It has become clear to me that I'm not the best person to be leader of the opposition and leader of the New Zealand National Party at this critical time for New Zealand. It's more important than ever that the New Zealand National Party has a leader who is comfortable in the role. The role has taken a heavy toll on me personally and on my family, and this has become untenable from a health perspective. For that reason, I will be stepping down as leader effective immediately. Um, He said that he intended to take some time out of the spotlight, spend it with his family, and restore his energy before reconnecting with his community. And so... Before we get too far into the politics around all of this, I think it is probably an important time to have a wee chat about mental health and how it is not exempt from politics. No. So a bunch of you guys, after Todd Muller resigned, sent me a post on shit you should care about um, from a guy called Benjamin Johnson on LinkedIn that said... For a moment, let's put aside the politics and the position. The simple analysis is that a man was willing and brave enough to say, I'm not doing well. And then the post goes on to say that, you know, it is really humbling to see a leader step down from their position because of their mental health, because they knew they weren't right for the job. And it says a lot about New Zealand's kind of man up culture or stick it out kind of Mm. culture what do you think about this robes i no, i think this is a really good point to make i think we can't underestimate the public pressure of being in politics i it's definitely not something that i would mentally be able to handle no you are attacked not just for your position but for every part of your life and if you're human that's going to affect you and we want politicians that are human. Yeah. Of course, we want them with empathy and that feel things. And I, th- I think the fact that he was able to say that it was his mental health yeah. and that he was putting his mental health above being in this position of power is a really great thing for men in politics and for men throughout New Zealand. I think it's a pivotal step. Mm. Yeah, because in New Zealand and across the world, there's definitely this whole man up, mentality and it makes people and especially men push away how they're feeling and then their problems continue to weigh down on them in whatever job they're doing which ultimately is going to eat away at them and then it's going to take a toll on their work now if their work is in politics it's going to take a toll on everyone because mm-hmm. they're making decisions on behalf of everyone if they're not in a good place mentally their decisions cannot be balanced or you know they'll be foggy and cloudy we all know what it's like when your mind is constantly thinking about public scrutiny or even just you know 
how embarrassed you were when you did this thing five years ago. But imagine that every day Mm. from the media and from the nation. And we see a lot of characters in politics that are completely overcome by their egos Mm -hmm. and won't let their human side come out Mm. or they won't even give it any time but and because it feels like you get bullied out of your human side when you're in politics like you shouldn't have to have uh unworldly thick skin to be in politics no not at all then politics becomes unrealistic and unrelatable unrelatable and and tough and so todd muller i think whether he meant it or not he's made an example of himself and a reminder of us that we need to do better as people commenting on politics We need to be looking at the policies and trying as hard as we can to take that away from the person. I think it's going to take electing a whole new generation of Mm. people who are willing to be upfront about how they're feeling and, you know, keep their human side as high up as they get in politics. Yeah, but I mean, baby steps. Baby steps. And I think this is a good step in the right direction. Mm. I just think, like, can we just normalise you know, stepping down from something that you are not right for to allow that growth for someone that is right for it and prioritising your health, whether it's mental health or physical, in politics, it's going to be better for our country to have people that, one, want to be doing the job, they're going to do a better job, and two, are physically and mentally able to make the best decisions they can. So as much as Todd Muller was, you know, not who I was going to vote for, um... I really think that this is humbling to mm. see. I respect it and I hope that he rests and spends some time with his family and it'll be interesting to see what the party looks like under Judith Collins. Oh my goodness. Well, that's just another kill of fish, I isn't it? I know. Shall we chat about that? How cool would it be if you call the election right now on TV? That's, are you doing like a truth or dare style? Do it. Sit in. You're just daring me I to dare call an election. Do it. No. Come on. Buck, no. buck. <laughs> I'm young, but I'm not 12. Okay, so Judith Collins, um, she's 61. She was first elected as an MP for Clevedon in 2002, and she has been a part of six parliaments. Mm -hmm. She has been nicknamed as the Crusher in Parliament, um, seen as one of National's more right-wing MPs, and does have the reputation of being quite a hardline law and order politician. Mm. I did read that she has based herself off a Margaret Thatcher kind mm. of character. So if that gives you a bit of insight, mm. I don't know. So she wasn't nicknamed the Crusher after that KFC kind of smoothie thing. She was nicknamed the Crusher because she threatened to crush boy races cars. God. Yes. So she wasn't that well-liked by that group of people in New Zealand, boy racers, Mm. Judith Crusher Collins. Mm. Anyway. Let's get into a little bit of where she stands on certain issues that we hold very important. Okay, on same-sex marriage in 2004, she voted against the bill creating civil unions. Her reasoning for this was not because of any sort of homophobic views, but because it created a parallel form of marriage. She said, This bill is a sop to gay couples in which they are being told that they can have second best. That is not good enough. Either people are entitled to look at themselves as married and to get married, or they are not. 
I'd be willing to look at how marriage could be extended to other than heterosexual couples. I'm not saying that I necessarily support it, but I'm happy to look at it. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, she still said, I'm not saying I necessarily support it. Yeah. She prefaced it with saying I'm not being homophobic. And then she said, I'm not saying I necessarily support it. Yeah. So, and then in 2005, um, she voted for the marriage gender clarification amendment bill, which defined marriage as only between a man and woman. But then in 2013, she voted in favor of a bill allowing same-sex marriage. So she's really been all over the spectrum on this one. Yeah. I think she's just trying to... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dave face. Like whatever she thinks is going to palette well with the people at the time. It yeah. sounds like she's voting for. So maybe she could get like a stance on it and preferably the right stance, which is that all marriages are equal. An abortion. In 2019, Collins voted in favour of the Abortion Legalisation Act. Again, she said, I'll be supporting it, but not because I'm pro-abortion, but because I understand the reality of life for many women. So, again, it's kind of that, like, begrudging. Yeah, and feeling the need to say that, oh, I voted this, but look, this is what I actually think. Well, it it does sound like she's trying to stay in favour with everyone. I voted yes, but not because I support it, you know? why don't you just take a stance? The end-of-life choice bill, um, of course, this is about euthanasia. In 2019, Collins was in favour of this. However, this was a change again because in 2003, she voted against the Death with Dignity bill. I think it is important to note here that she talked about the death of her father from cancer and she spoke out about how she was on the wrong side of this bill and when this was passed in 2019 she did say that she now felt like she was on the right side. It's important to note context and that life experience can change your vote. In terms of sex work in 2003 she voted against the bill that was passed to decriminalize sex work in New Zealand and what she said was really disgusting and uninformed she said in my opinion prostitution is rape accompanied by payment if the prostitute is lucky she's taken a very hard stance on this but that's an awful thing to say and so unnecessary and does give a little bit of insight into her yeah and then on cannabis the national party did vote against legalizing cannabis when the bill passed late last year but however collins has declined to say recently whether she would be voting in favor so that will be up for discussion the writing's kind of on the wall yeah she's um she's a character i don't know if she is a superhero or a villain actually i do and well, interesting that you say that because I was reading a spin-off article by Ben Thomas. He said, Collins is chameleonic, able to take on whatever role is required of her politically and play it to perfection. 
switching through her emotional range at will, which I find quite interesting given the background in her voting and how she has swayed with the times. Yeah, I think there's probably a bit of leeway when it comes to the changing in the times and the voting. I think, like what I'm about to get into, some of her stances on um, diversity and racism and things like that, even the environment, are things that she hasn't changed with the times. Mm. And I don't think we can give her the benefit of the doubt of being a chameleonic character with these thoughts. So we've probably all heard a lot of the controversial, well, not even controversial, actually, just outright wrong. Yeah, wrong things that Collins has said. Just a few weeks ago when um, Todd Muller unveiled his new very white cabinet, she was asked about it and she said, oh, is there something wrong with me being white? Mm. Did you see what came out yesterday? What? What? Tell me. Collins has come out to say that she will be not distracted by people's ethnicity or gender. Mm -hmm. She said, I never really thought ethnicity was that important. I'm an ethnic minority in my own home, referring to the fact that her husband is Samoan. Don't think that makes her a minority, but whatever. I'm someone who believes that decisions should be made utterly on merit. Okay, there's a lot to unpick here. Mm. First of all, if you don't think ethnicity is that important, that's because it has never been a defining factor that has set you back in life. It screams privilege. It's privilege. If you haven't had to think about ethnicity in your life, it's because it hasn't stopped you from doing anything. And this is a problem that we had with Todd Muller when he first came on and again said that whole merit yarn. We can't champion choosing people on merit until we all are on a level playing field, and we're not. Exactly. You can't choose on merit and have your cabinet front bench representing just one area of New Zealand. You can't have those people making decisions on all the different beautiful communities that make up a multicultural nation when they don't have the lived experience of any Mm -hmm. of them except for New Zealand Pākehā. We live in a society that privileges the white heterosexual, middle-class individuals. Go off. Not the sole reason why these individuals are where they are today, but a huge reason of that is because they started two steps ahead in life just because of the position they were born into. Exactly. This is where systemic biases and racism comes in and where we have to really work at a national level to unpack it and unwind it but we can't do that without the people in power that are going to help to do that which is going to be people with the voice and the lived experience of the of who we need to help who can speak to these communities you shouldn't be making decisions on a community that you're not a part of or have never experienced and i mean i get the irony in this coming from two white females but we do find this really important to talk about because we have a platform which gives us the responsibility to do what we can to try and make a difference and yeah if that's calling out privilege wherever we see it in ourselves in our political leaders in our ceos wherever we have to in order to get the right voices championed and if that means sacrificing a few really great politicians from your front bench and championing the ones that really need to be championed then we're here for it Mm -hmm. and we will do what we can with the platform we have to try and help. 
Another example of Judith Collins just being quite racist is she was asked about the Treaty of Waitangi, which for those that aren't from New Zealand is kind of like New Zealand's founding document in air quotes. It's um, highly contentious because of the contents of it and its translations or mistranslations. Anyway, she was asked about it in a cabinet meeting that was recorded and she just said, what a stupid question. And then I'm actually sick of being demonized for my ethnicity. Thank you very much. Honey, you got another thing coming. (sighs) Like, I don't even know. We don't even have to have that much commentary to that. Well, if you want to hear our response, just rewind 30 seconds back and you can hear us triggered as fuck once again. (laughs) She's also said that uh, while the National Party isn't that diverse, it does have diversity of thought. Which just isn't the point. You're just missing the point. But, you know. Shut up. Yeah. Rewind again to hear what we (laughs) think about that. And um, Jerry Brownlee, who is her new deputy and the deputy leader of the National Party, said to that, quote, I think it's very interesting when people call out for diversity, but at the same time demand competence and sometimes balancing the two is not easy. So, I'm sorry. I also don't think we even need to say much on that, but he is now saying that diversity and competence don't go hand in hand, and therefore, less diversity, more competence. What are you trying to say there, Dal? That's terrible. That's terrible. No, I know. I was shocked. I'm a bit... I'm actually a bit speechless. Yeah. Which is not the point of a podcast at all. No. But when you're, um, you know, laying down facts like this. Yeah, wow. Okay, and then so there's been some other little scandals. So there is, um, in 2014, Collins and her husband went on a taxpayer-funded trip to Shanghai to the offices of Oravida, which is a company that her husband's the director of. So that was kind of using her political leverage for a private company. Um, the company then used her photo as a product endorsement. That got a lot of criticism. Yeah, in 2014, Oravita Cody, which is linked to her husband's business, they'd been stockpiling Swamp Cody, which is a tree in New Zealand, and digging up ecologically sensitive wetlands in New Zealand. She outraged environmentalists by telling a reporter that she did not care and then said, am I the minister of wetlands? <laughs> No, you're just a fucking member of New Zealand who are really proud of being fucking clean and green. No. A couple other things on the environment, just while we're at it. On the school strike for climate, she said about the protesters, they are very earnest and very truthful in what they believe. I don't know what they're going to do in 12 years' time when the world has not actually led to a mass extinction of humans. I'm sure that they'll have found something else. Another generation will come. Every generation has its thing. So is she a climate denier? Yeah, feels like it. Oh. Another thing will come along. Every generation has her thing. Her thing is racism and crushing cars. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine putting down climate change to a thing. Demoting it to just... A little thing. A little that happens hob- once in a generation. A, a, a little hobby that we're all just kind of into, but eventually we'll lose interest. Oh, like- my God. It's not a phase, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And then on the 1.5 degrees Celsius Paris Agreement target, she said, the world will not end if we pass 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming. The children marching in the street with signs saying, you will die of old age, I will die of climate change 
have been needlessly exploited by an increasingly fanatical green lobby. And then she said, and when anyone mentions Greta, we will ask, who? <gasps> Sorry, but Greta's way more well-known than you, Judith Collins. Oh. No, I know. So I feel like we've been pretty chill this entire podcast until... Lucy out here laying down some quotes and um, it's really funny. We had a comment on our Instagram saying like, this is so left wing, it's insane. And we are quite left wing and we love Jacinda. What do you mean quite left wing? <laughs> <laughs> we are, yeah, I would say very left wing. We love Jacinda, but it was funny because this post was literally just her quotes, like not even commentary. Mm. So she's kind of, you know, digging her own hole here. She is. These quotes really do speak for themselves. So what is this going to look like going forward with a leader like Judith? I mean, we've seen Nikki Kay, who was the deputy to Todd Muller. She resigned today. Mm -hmm. As did Amy Adams. As did Amy Adams. So going forward, I think National is really trying to look like they've got this really united front, but you can really see the cracks. Mm. And this soon, before an election, mm. I mean... I mean, Jacinda did it in less time. Jacinda did pull it off with mm. the help of New Zealand First. Um, I don't know about... But Judith Collins is in kind of, yeah, different yeah. story. Do you know that we haven't had just a one-term government since, like, 1975 or something? Wow. Yeah, just a few of the things that Collins has said since being appointed leader is that she said, I think it's really important that we all have a common goal to get rid of the current government and to put in place a better government. And I just think like your goal in politics shouldn't be to get rid of the government before you. It should be an actual goal for the country, for the people to make it better. Yeah. And the whole National Party was formed as an opposition to Labour, so it's not surprising. Defensive and, politics are in the roots of their whole establishment. Yeah, exactly. If you're only in politics for a bit of a game um, of who's going to win or who can I oust, hashtag they've already ousted Simon Bridges, so they should be kind of content for now on that front. And and not and change isn't your first priority, then like we need a whole new generation of people in politics. She also said that... The party, again, is very focused on winning, and that is what's unifying the party right now. I mean, fair enough, they don't have a lot else to unify them right now. No. Because they're in shambles. And then she said, we're actually better. If you look at our team, our experience, it's all better than Jacinda Ardern and her team. So I think we can't expect that it's going to be like what Todd Muller said and a party run on its own two feet and not about attacking the party that's in government right now. It's going to be defensive politics, like you said before. And the debates will be really interesting to watch. Yeah, really interesting. And sign up to vote. Yeah. Register to vote. I got my letter in the mail. I just re-enrolled because mine went to my old address. And so, yeah, guys, if they can't get it to you, they will unenroll you. So you need to be getting online. Super easy. Just Mm -hmm. enroll to vote. Because we need to all have our say come the election. Yeah, if any of the stuff we've said on this podcast has made you mad or made you question some things, you actually do have the chance to have have your say, yeah. Because we all want to get political. And you'll be hearing it from two people that 
like you, are probably just trying to figure this shit out as well. Yeah. It, we're not coming from an expert point of view. I mean, clearly not. We're coming from it like every other New Zealander or American or wherever you're from in the world, an everyday human being who just wants to be able to make an informed enough decision mm-hmm. so that they can vote for the good of themselves, but also for the good of the community mm-hmm. and the good of humanity. No, guys, as usual, it's been lovely sitting and chatting to you with you as well, Rubes. Thank you. It's been all right. It's been all right. <laughs> um, you can find us on Shit You Should Care About on Instagram. On our website, shityoushouldcareabout.com. In our Facebook group, The Siska Squad. On our podcast Instagram, The Shit Show, with lots of underscores. And... Please do keep leaving your gorgeous reviews and giving us ratings and sharing when you listen to it. It helps us out a ton so we can keep bringing you these weekly rundowns of what the fuck's going on in the world. Because what the fuck is going on? Dunno. And I think that's a great place to leave it. Bye. Bye, guys. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.